subject that's pretty familiar to most Christians, but hopefully it'll be uh, kind of revitalizing in your life this morning, and that is praise. In the Old Testament, uh, the Strong's definition of praise is to thank God, to rejoice, to boast about who God is. The word how is part of the word or the meaning of praise, but it's also part of the word hallelujah, for which we raise our praises and that universal language of hallelujah is giving God all kinds of worship and honor and glory when people open their mouths and they say, hallelujah. hallelujah. In Psalms 104, we're told to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Another definition in Strong's is a celebration that we praise and exalt God. Wouldn't it be different if from now on when we started even walking through the doors, we just started praising God. We just changed our focus, our focus from our problems and our needs and our frustrations and things that we're dealing with. And we just had this awareness that we're coming into the presence of God and we open our mouths and begin to praise God as we come in. There, there is just something powerful when we begin to praise the Lord. And we're going to see through scriptures how that can affect and change things. Praise God for our new identity. In 1 Peter 1, 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Right now, where you're sitting, if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, why don't you just thank God that you have been and made a new creation? Thank you, Jesus, that you made me alive in you. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given me eternal life. Thank you that I'm in a place of transformation and change because you made me a new creation the moment I accepted you as Lord and Savior. When you went to the cross, you took every sin, everything that was against me, and you brought it to death, and you gave me a new name, and you gave me a new place to rejoice in this work that's going on in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for who I am in you. Doesn't that just help you to thank God for who you are in Christ? When we begin to uh, praise God, it changes our thought processes and the things that we're waiting and believing for or the things that we're struggling with that steal praise from a God who is worthy to be praised. And when we begin to praise God, it changes our attitude, it changes our mindset, it changes our focus, and it even begins to shrink our problems. Praise be directed to God who gave us new life. It's interesting that Peter starts off saying, praise be, like, let it be, let it be that our praises continue to ring up and out of our voice, out of our heart, through our mouth to a living God who is our hope, a living hope. Whatever we're facing today, whatever we're looking at, whatever we feel about, whatever the condition is of our countenance, that we have hope in a living God who is with us, who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Even though you might be in the midst of a problem, you might be suffering some kind of an ailment or suffering emotionally by something or in some kind of grief, you have a living hope that a God who is in you and with you is going to raise you up out of that situation and bring you victory. We have a reason to praise. In Ephesians 1.3, Paul wrote this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus, that you've given me every spiritual blessing. You know, we're so much focused on natural things and natural situations that we forget that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing because it is the spiritual blessings that are going to overlap and outlive our natural circumstances and the conditions that we're in in this natural world. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Isn't that an incredible thing? That even through the years and things that we went through sometimes before we came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and we came to believe that Jesus died for our sins, that we were in God's heart and in his destiny, that he saw and looked through the eternities and he saw the end result of who we were and our need for him and that we would accept him, that we are already sealed in him, that we, the day we accept the Lord is that confirmation of what he looked forward to when he sent Jesus to die for our sins. In love, he predestined us to the adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. It was God's good pleasure for him to send Jesus so he might save us from our sins, give us a new nature, and let us become part of the family of God. To the praise of his glorious grace. Talking about grace, it's God's ability that is supernaturally working in us to change and transform our lives. It is God's supernatural grace that gives us the ability to keep seeking God, following God, and even going through hard times and struggles when we don't feel like doing it. It is God's glorious grace. And sometimes we, we're caught up in the, those moments of glorious grace and our praise takes on this new level when we finally get this reality sometimes of what God has just done for us. This glorious grace, which has freely been given to us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. What a great thing. We can praise God and thank him for the ability to continually be forgiven of our sins. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from the unrighteousness which our sin causes in our heart. And so we can praise God that we can constantly receive forgiveness for bad attitudes, for bad thoughts, for bad words that we say, for bad things that we do, uh, for bad relationships that sometimes we incur or inflict on each other. We can receive forgiveness of sin and we can praise God because we are washed clean by confessing our sins and we can experience the, the freedom we have from being forgiven. That's God's grace. The definition of praise in the New Testament in the Greek is approval, commendation, acceptance, and endorsement of what God has done for us. We can endorse God. Hey, you're a good God. Hey, you're a good God. You sent Jesus for me to die on the cross so that I might have forgiveness of sins and eternal life, that I might receive the power of God to overcome different addictions and things that try to strangle my life and steal who I'm supposed to be in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. I want to just endorse you. You're a good God. Do you ever endorse people? Do you ever have someone maybe at work that you're seeing or someone's doing something to you and you just affirm them, you endorse them for what they're doing? We can endorse God for what he is constantly doing in our life, for what he promised us that he's going to do, for those things that we're still waiting for, for those prophetic promises that God gives us as we read his word or that some uh, spiritual person gives us that encourage us in the moment where we're at because we haven't arrived at what they're prof- that prophetic word is saying it's going to happen to us. Our key verse for today is Psalms 156. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Anybody not living here today, I guess you wouldn't raise your hand. But we have breath in our lungs. We have been created in God's image. And it says that everything, even all of creation, worships God. We hear the birds when we wake up in the morning, if we can hear. We can hear those birds singing a sweet song to the Lord. We hear that all of nature and the, the, uh, the universe is constantly giving praise and worship to God. Everything that has breath is breathing praise to God. So when we get up in the morning, we can enter that place of thanking God that we have another day. Thanking God we have a life to live another day in our life. That God has graced us with the ability to live. We can give thanks for who we are and what God's doing in our life. And when we begin to praise, we rise above the negative things that automatically come to us that we can think about. The feelings we have about ourselves. Even as Christians, you know what? I've been bummed out about myself lately. Things that I see that still need to change. I've been so discouraged about myself the last two weeks. I am so down about myself. And when I'm down about myself, I just stay in that place of, oh God, I don't like how this hasn't changed yet. And I can turn inward and just beat myself up. But when I begin to thank God that you have begun a good work in me, that you're not done with me yet. I'm still breathing. That means you're still working salvation in my life. You're still working a change and a transformation, my character and my nature, and especially my personality. You know, some of us have different types of personalities. Sometimes people have great personalities. They're outgoing. They're friendly. Some of us have introverted personalities and depressed personalities and melancholy personalities. And we can be the other opposite of the spectrum of being a a happy, joyous, outgoing person. And it's for us, those kind of people, where we need the grace of God. We need the power of God. We need to be able to praise God to overcome what we're feeling and uh, how we have outlooks about ourselves and about our life. Thank you, Jesus, that you are still working in me. We have reason to praise out of gratitude for what someone has done for us. It was God that has done and is doing so much that we must continually give him our praise. Matthew Henry wrote this about Psalms 150. We are here with the greatest earnestness imaginable, excited to praise God, if, as some suppose, this psalm was primarily intended for the Levites to stir them up to do their office in the house of the Lord. As singers and players on instruments, yet we must take it as speaking to us who are made to our God spiritual priests. Do you see yourself as a priest? I can think of the different occupations I've had, and one of my biggest occupations has been janitor throughout my life. Janitor when I was a kid, janitor growing up, janitor when I first started the work world. Then I had a time when I was working in company stores and I was working in the courtyard and throwing away junk. Then I was a lead man in company stores. Then I was a, uh, working, worked in shipping. I was a shipper. Then I worked in transportation as a driver. I was a utility man for a season, which was really a fancy name for your daytime janitor. I, I went from being a truck driver to a transport operator because I had a commercial driver's license and I drove rigs. Then I, I was a rigger for four years, and uh, and eventually my occupation is God called me to be a pastor. But above and beyond, before and after all that, we are called priests unto God. That you're calling no matter what you do, no matter who you see yourself, no matter how you limit yourself spiritually, you are a priest unto God. And you are called to give praise, worship, and sacrifice unto God. And as you begin to give praise unto God, you begin to change yourself, and you also change the atmosphere and things around you. 
I believe, according to church, I believe if Christians would rise up in this country, we see a transformation in our world, a transformation in our own government, because it is us who have the pace and the pulse of this country, and it's us, the silent majority, as we begin to praise and thank God for who he is, as we begin to praise as a, as a, as a, um, as a united local church and praying for our government and praising God, wanting to see changes, wanting to see things that change, that we have the power to bring change as we praise and worship God, as we unitedly come together and see that there is a greater destiny in our country because we are Christians, because we believe and we worship a living God. Your calling as a priest is, in 1 Peter 2.9, but you, you need to put your name on it, that's you, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Maybe you don't see yourself royal today, but God sees you as royalty. You know, maybe we see ourselves, you know, maybe they show the, the England, the princes and all the, the Princess Grace and all those people. We see ourselves like, wow, they're royalty or whatever. We see people honoring them and everything else. But I tell you, we are higher than that. We have been raised through Jesus Christ that we are part of that priesthood. We are of a royal priesthood. God has lifted us from the darkness and from the oppression that Satan has put upon us through our sin nature and to give us a living hope, give us a place to exalt and, and be proud of who we are because we're God's kids and he's working in our life. A holy nation, God's special possession. Do you see yourself as a special person and a special possession? Sometimes the people can hurt us and throw us and demean us and uh, uh, put us down, and we feel so wretched by what has happened to us, but God raises us above what this world has done to us. He raises us above into that place that we are special to someone. You may have felt degraded and not special. You may have been divorced and left and abandoned, but I tell you, God raises us to the place where he sees your special possession to him. He cares and he loves you just for who you are and what he's doing and to make you glorious in his sight that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Have been called out of dark places? Have you been under oppression and uh, bondages and uh, addictions? God has called you out, and you have a story to tell, and you have reason to praise. And sometimes when we're called out of dark places and we're called out of uh, places of, of degradation and uh, discouragement, Lord, we, we hardly can lift our head, but God raises us up to uh, make us feel good about ourselves because it's him in us working in our life. Matthew Henry, uh, his commentary uh, really goes along with this out of uh, Psalms 150, verse 6. For this sanctuary, praise him there. That's in here every time we gather. This is a sanctuary. This is a place that we make as a refuge for our mind, emotions, and will to come under a blanket and a spiritual protection that is here to allow us to connect with the living God. Let his priest, that's us, let his people, that's us, that attend there, attend him with their praises. Where should he be praised? But there where he does. In a special manner, both Manifest in his glory and communicate in his grace. Praise God upon the account of his sanctuary and the privilege which we enjoy to, by having that among us is Jesus, his presence. In Psalms twenty-two twenty-five, My praise shall be on you in the great assembly. There should be a place of celebration every time we come, no matter what we feel like, no matter what we're facing, no matter what prayer need that we have, there we should come as a place of celebration. We should come here knowing that God is going to do something. 
even if we don't see it immediately, that something is going to kick into gear. Something is going to be released in the moment we come up for prayer, in the moment we begin to praise and thank God, in the moment we recognize that I am in God's presence, and I don't care what has gone on, what I'm feeling, what, what I'm going to face when I leave this place, but God is with me, and God is working in my life, and God is working for my good. We, God's servants, are to praise him. In Revelation 19.5, John the Apostle wrote this, A voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Praise is talking about revelation at the end of all things, that there is going to be a continual greater amount of praise than ever before. When this is all done down here, and everyone's been raised from the dead, and uh, people are all in their place, and things have been dealt with uh, an evil, I tell you, there's going to be such a roar of praise in the heavens. There's going to be such a universal roar of praise because of everything is finally done, everything that Jesus purchased, every good thing that God initiated through his son, that now it's all in order. There's going to be such a roar in praise because of who God is, and his praise will go on forever and ever and ever. Your life is to be a praise. In 1 Peter 4.11, if anyone speaks, they should do so. As one who speaks the very words of God, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. In Psalms fifty twenty three, it says, Whoever offers praise glorifies God. We glorify Jesus. And sometimes in the midst of uh, places that we're hurting or suffering, it is hard to praise. But when you begin to form with your mouth words of praise, you begin to break something. You begin to bring sp- break spiritual atmosphere. I tell you, there's more an intense spiritual atmosphere than ever before. There's dem- demonic atmospheres that want to oppress us. There are demonic things that come through the news that want to affect our mind, emotions, and will. But when we begin to praise, we begin to, like, took a fire hose and, like, spraying off the fire of the enemy, those darts the enemy is firing at us to make us discouraged and to bring us down in our countenance. This is a day when we need to smile, and we should be the people that are smiling wider and bigger than anyone else because we have a source of strength and hope that the world does not have. Praise in suffering. In 1 Peter 4, 16, If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. And if you know that as you begin to walk with Christ and you go through that period of time where everything is glorious, you think like, I am now living heaven on earth. It's called that period, we call it the honeymoon period with Jesus, where it seems like every prayer is answered and things are just falling into place, but then there comes where he begins to cause us to get stronger. We begin to go through testings and trials. We begin to face opposition to our faith, but it is in those times where, as we suffer as a Christian, God promises that there is going to be something that good happens out of it, but we are to praise in those times when we're suffering because we are giving honor and glory to God. When we're going through difficulties and yet we can praise God, it shows the character that's being built in our life because of our faith in Jesus Christ. The sacrifice of praise. It is because we can suffer as a Christian that we can offer a sacrifice of praise. There are times when our praises are going to cost us. There are times when our praises are complete sacrifice. We could barely even mouth for, with our lips a praise to God or a thankfulness because our feelings and emotions that, that, that see and experience the transformation in our life when we, when we accept Jesus Christ also feel resistant at times when our mind, will, and emotions don't see the answers that we want. And they come against our very heart 
and the ability that we, God has given us to praise and worship him, and they try to shut us down on our emotions. And Satan uses our mind, our feelings, and everything he can in this natural world to stop the flow of praise from our heart because he knows he knows praise is the most powerful weapon we have as, as a Christian. We may be powerless. We may be unable to do anything, and the, everything may seem against us, even against God's promises and his word in his life, but our weapon is the power of praise. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I don't feel like praising. I don't see the answer. I don't see that you're doing what I want you to do. I don't see you doing what you promised to do, but thank you, Jesus. I know that you, which began the good work, are continuing the work. I can't can't see what you're doing, but I believe you're mounting up my defense. I believe you're bringing the answers that I'm desiring. I believe you're working healing in me. I believe you're working to the end of this problem we're in, the circumstances that I'm in. I believe that you're working for good. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, that beyond what I see and what I feel, you are alive. You are in my family relationships. You are in my marriage, God. You are in my uh, interpersonal relationships. You care about my job. You care about my boss. You care about the people around me. Thank you, God. I hate all these things that are going on, but thank you. Beyond what I see, you're working. That's the place that we stand from. That's the place we work from. In that place, we can believe that God is going to do something. In Hebrews 13, 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, not only when we feel like it. I tell you, I've gone through the same thing where I have to square out a praise barely from my lips because I feel so discouraged. I feel so, it's going to be such a sacrifice. But let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. God would not have Paul write that, or excuse me, they're not sure if Paul wrote that, but whoever the writer was of Hebrews, they didn't write that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit if, we didn't, if God didn't know we were going to at times have to give a sacrifice of praise, that we might use that weapon against those forces that are against us. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Fruit from our lips. You know, God wants us to produce fruit. It is the Holy Spirit in us that will move through our lips to produce a fruit of praise unto a living God. His praise shall be continually in my mouth, Psalms 34, 1 calls and asks us to do. The sacrifice, 1 Peter 2, 5-7, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. In our uh, class of Victory Over Darkness, there was a nugget that really came out in the last couple of weeks. It was about this section in Peter that talks about this progression in our faith, about adding knowledge and virtue and self-control to our faith and perseverance and godliness and godliness, brotherly kindness. And it says that those things in us, that we will not be unfruitful in our walk with the Lord. But one thing he, he brought out, Anderson brings out, Neil Anderson brings this out in the Victory Over Darkness, that endurance allows us to persevere. And I tell you, sometimes we're in this place, and I feel like perseverance is a hard thing. And me and Dory have been in a place at times as being pastors over this church where we need to perseverance. And there's something that kicks in for us, and it's endurance that we just get up past our emotions, past everything we see, past every demonic uh, attack that comes against us uh, because of carrying the responsibility for this church, and we just get up and endure. And I tell you, there are some, there's times when I can barely make it, and I just know I have to do this. And I get up in faith, and that endurance causes me to rise up, and it causes me to break through the spiritual boundaries and the spiritual bonds that the enemy tries to put over me to, to stop 
my responsibilities in this church. And so for you, as a Christian, you're going to need endurance because it's going to help you to persevere. That no matter what, you don't see nothing, you don't feel nothing, but you do the right thing anyway because, you know, behind the scenes and despite everything going on, you know God is going to come through for you because he's a faithful God and he's consistent. The power of praise. This is a final story I want to read you. It's kind of long, but it's incredible. There's places that you can grab a hold and, and uh, apply to your life, but it's one of those powerful Old Testament stories. It's about Jehoshaphat. You know, Jehoshaphat was kind of a righteous king, but he had some, you could see some human things in what he did and the things he allowed in his <clears throat> maybe a fear of man. And, uh, but yet, here's the story. The Moabites and the Amorites with some of the other Mulanites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Do you feel like something is coming and waging war against you right now? It's going to be praise that's going to bring you out of it. It's going to be praise that brings you victory against what you're warring against. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is ready even in Hazon and Tamar, that is in Engedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Have you ever been alarmed by something? This is what Jehoshaphat did. He was alarmed by an army coming against him. Whatever is facing you, you can begin to inquire of the Lord because he's going to be your answer. And he proclaimed a fast in all of Judah. He involved all of his people. Again, think of our country. If we were facing a whole army coming against us, I think we'd be united. I think the president would really ask that we really sincerely pray and get a hold of God. The people of Judah came together to seek and help the Lord. This is what I'm believing we will keep seeing and doing in this local church, that we will keep coming together in unity. We will keep coming together to seek the Lord, to see some breakthroughs in our country and in other situations. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Can you imagine the atmosphere of our whole nation where they came together to seek God? That, that God was going to be the answer of all their problems, and especially that another nation was coming against them. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors. Again, he's making declaration of who he knew God was. He was yet facing the most incredible uh, army and enemy that he ever faced as a king. Are you not the God who is in heaven? He started recounting God's position and God as a creator. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. And no one can withstand you. Ever begin to face something, but you begin to account who God is. That you begin to name what God is that's bigger than your situation, that's bigger than what you're facing, that's bigger than the opposition, that's bigger than what's ever attacking your emotions. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Remember, we are a friend of God through Jesus Christ. If you accept Jesus Christ, you're a friend of God. So you can talk to God like this. You can rehearse what God has done for you. I'm sure all of you, if there's something you can remember and recall that God has done for you, it becomes a powerful weapon to prepare you and release praise in your life. They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name. Again, you're, you're telling them, you know, I'm a Christian, Lord. I, I go to church and I worship you, Lord. You know, I give my tithes and I give offerings and I help poor people and I do everything I can to help people. When you start recounting what you're doing for God, it just gives you an ear and it helps back up your praise because you're talking to a guy who's going to move on your behalf. 
If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or of judgment or a plague or a famine, we stand still in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. But now here are the men from Ammon. Now they're talking about the real problem. They've just rehearsed everything that God has done. And they've kind of prepped God's ear. If he wasn't listening, he's listening now because he just got praised. He just got endorsed for what he had been doing. Moab, Ammon, and Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as our inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face their vast army that is attacking us. Again, look at their place. They acknowledge their inability to face what they're facing. So many times in our own strength, we try to face what we're facing with all of our own strength. But there comes power when we say, you know what? This is bigger than me, God. This is bigger than me. So I'm coming to you. I'm looking to you because this is bigger than I can handle. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Have you ever said that to God? I don't know what to do, God, but I'm looking to you. God, I'm putting my eyes on you. God, you're the God who created the heavens and the earth. You're the God who parted the Red Sea for the children of Israel. God, I'm looking to you. All the men of Judah, that's everybody, all the men of Judah with their wives and the children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Imagine having such a situation. Imagine if we came together on one Sunday, we brought everybody, everybody in our family, all of our kids, our babies, we all got before the Lord and we said, God, it's enough. We want to see changes in our country. We want to see changes in righteousness. We want to see... Uh, we want to see the perversion and things that are destroying people's lives and families. We want to see them broken. On God, we're coming to you united. We're coming, all of us, wanting and believing that you're going to do some kind of change. Then the Spirit of the Lord came to Jehazel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Matthiah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. A Levite was just one of the servers in the temple. It wasn't even a priest, but somehow the Holy Spirit came on the sky and he moved forward. The Spirit of the Lord moved upon him. It's like that prophetic presence that comes on us and we see in a service when someone gets up and gives a prophetic word. This came on this Levite and he said that. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. Notice that they were all seeking, but it wasn't that God came on, on a Jehoshaphat to speak, but he came on that lowly Levite, the janitor in the temple. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged but of this, of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. What are you facing to now? The battle is not yours. It's not yours. If you hold on to it, you're not releasing it to the power of God. You're not releasing it to a God who's bigger than you, who can move. Again, a lot of times we use every effort we can to solve a problem. We use everything in technology, in our mind, or a doctor. We use everything, but do we go to God and fully surrender to Him? Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the path of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeru. You will not have to fight the battle. Woo! Isn't that good information? I tell you, when you know a whole vast army is coming against you, and God says, you're not going to have to fight the battle. Take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow. And the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. I tell you, that would bow down. Jehoshaphat knew what he was facing. He knew the armies were coming. They told him he was coming. Everyone knew they were coming. They knew the sizes of armies. and They saw shields and spears and all the things, of the implements of war. They heard the noise of the people coming. I tell you, that's enough to intimidate you. 
but that's enough to make you bow down. And how many times we bow down in front of things that seem so drastic, they seem so heavy against us. But Jehoshaphat bowed down because he knew God just had come on the scene. He knew God had just promised. Even though they didn't see the enemies defeated, there was something that came overwhelming in his mind, will, and emotions, in his spirit, that he knew that something was about to happen. Maybe you're a young person today, and you're uniquely carrying things that only you carry. I tell you, God wants to mount up with you. He wants to be with you in school and the things that you face. He wants you to know that he is with you, and he's going to do things for you that he wouldn't do for anyone else. But because you're looking to him, because you're calling on him, and you're asking of him to show up, he's going to do things for you and it's going to solidify a faith in your living God. So he fell down and he worshiped the Lord. Then some of the Levites from the Korhites and the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord. See, now all the things, see, everybody's getting excited. All it took was that one little Levite to prophesy. Now Jehoshaphat's involved with it. Now all the Levites say, yeah, let's go. You know, they're all, there's, this genera- there's this generating of the excitement of the Spirit of God that comes upon us. Can you imagine that coming upon us as a people where we get so excited in God and we know that God is going to do great things for us? It begins to move us emotionally. It begins to build us up and strengthen us early in the morning, they left for the, for the desert of Tekoa, and they set out. And Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord. Wow, he's talking pretty much like a man of God now, isn't he? Have faith in the Lord. You're God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him. He got his worship team together. He kind of remembered that God is powerful when you have a worship team behind him. And I'm so thankful for Enoch and our worship team that every Sunday they get up no matter what, and they, they bring the presence of God. They bring an opportunity for us to have people saying to the Lord that whatever our countenance is, we can be able to be encouraged just like these Levites were in, in, the, in the family of the Korhites. Sing unto the Lord, praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Praise to God becomes a powerful weapon. As they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. There are so many stories in the Bible about victories that came out of praise. The armies of Egypt at the Red Sea were defeated. Sisera with 900 chariots that came in the time of Judges, and Deborah rose up and began to sing the praises of what God has done and what he had did in the past. And there was defeat of the enemies of Israel. In Philippians 4.8, we're to think and value this kind of, these kind of things and give praise. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure and whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about these things.